Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Villanova Basketball Report. It is live here on Bob Wong Sports, and that is audio on Apple Podcasts as well as video on YouTube. Give us a follow on Twitter at Bob Wong Sports and Facebook as well, the YouTube channel. Basically, anywhere you want to find us, Bob Long Sports is the way to get you there. And can't do this one alone. We got a great crew here tonight. K-Mac, Tom Trainer, Kevin Long alongside. And guys, the Villanova Wildcats season continues onward onto the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. I don't know that necessarily many people, possibly ourselves included, saw this one coming. But a wonderful two-game effort from the Cats. We're able to rebound without Colin Gillespie move forward. Let's get everybody's thoughts real quick, and then we'll get going with the opening tip. Yeah, I mean, first of all, just excited to be here. Um, Didn't necessarily think we'd be doing a show here on the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, but uh, here we sit. We have a big matchup ahead of us. Um, I thought that we played some really complete games. Both games we played well defensively. I was really encouraged with the effort and then uh, against North Texas just really came out shooting the ball really well, probably better than we've seen this team shoot even when Colin was on the floor. So really encouraged with the way they played, probably one of the most complete games that we've seen this year Um, and uh, certainly pleased to be sitting here on the second weekend. Yeah, I think the story of the Winthrop game was defense, which has been the struggle all year. Um, and it was great to see. Thought, um, you know, DJ Burns, I thought was going to, you know, basically dominate the entire game. Luckily, he doesn't play too many minutes. Luckily, he got in foul trouble. But give the Cats credit. I mean, they played great defense um, all night. Kept a Winthrop team in check that many people picked to upset Villanova. It was a very popular 12 over 5 pick. <laughs> K-Mac included, evidently. And um, so, yeah, defense was the story of the Winthrop game. And, and as Kevin Long already mentioned, the, the shooting was awesome to see. They, I mean, I don't think I've seen Villanova not just shoot that well all season, but that confidently. Everybody caught the ball ready to shoot, which was um, a really awesome improvement to see and super happy for this team moving forward. K-Mac is the guy who said he'd be surprised even before Gillespie went down and before more had a high ankle sprain, although he seems healthy now, uh, that you'd be surprised if they made it to the second weekend. So now they've done it. Yeah, they have. Uh, my bracket still doing well. Still in first in the Bob Long Sports March Madness. Uh, nobody else filled out a bracket this year, so uh, <laughs> not much competition, but still first. Um, yeah, uh, I'm very pleasantly surprised to see them. Uh, obviously, getting uh, North Texas in the second game uh, was better than seeing Purdue, but Purdue and bracket time uh, is, all, is always going to choke. So, uh, yeah, pleasant surprise to see them and uh, tough, tough game ahead of them, but uh, definitely not out of the realm of possibility to win that. Oh, Kevin, what a professional he is. He's segueing into the next game, and that is a perfect one as we get into tonight's opening tip. This is the opening tip here on the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long, Kevin Long, Tom Trainer, K-Mac here alongside. And guys, it is tonight where we're going to talk about Baylor. A team that can go four guards. A team that has five guys that shoot at 
40% or better from beyond the arc, and a team that will test every facet of Villanova's game, both offensively and defensively. For my money, I thought it was the most impressive second-round team that I saw, probably not named Southern Cal or Oregon, but at least on that side of the bracket, as impressively as I've seen anybody play. Uh, that Baylor team, they can get out and run. They can hit the three in transition. They can play great half-court defense. And I thought that Wisconsin played an excellent game of basketball, just could not get within 12 points because Baylor was matching them bucket for bucket after getting out to that lead. Yeah, it was really an impressive game on both ends. I was, I was sitting there watching that game and thinking, even if Wisconsin comes back and wins this game, and, and then obviously we had not advanced at that point, but assuming we did, I think either matchup would have been difficult. But uh, I think we definitely drew the tougher one here. Like you said, they go the four guards deep. All their guys can shoot. And uh, I think the key for us is going to be to keep up with it. I mean, first of all, you know, let's say this. We have to play defense the way we did in the first two rounds. We need guys like Cole Swider to, to pick up defensively the way he did over the first weekend. But then on the other side, we have to keep up. So I think an effort like Winthrop uh, is, is not going to get it done. But if we are able to shoot the ball the way we did against North Texas, that's going to give us a chance. We need guys like Caleb Daniels to be hot. And uh, Jermaine Samuels driving to the basket. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has to dominate down low. If, if there's any you know, maybe weak point or just weaker point, I'll say, on Baylor. It's it's at the post. So if Jeremiah Robinson can can play his game and make that hurt, I think that's going to be our best chance. Yeah, so, I mean, a few weeks ago, assuming Colin Gillespie was healthy, you would have thought, okay, this game is a matchup between a one and a two seed, most likely. Um, but that is not the case, obviously, without Gillespie. And so what this game really reminds me of is 2005 Phantom Travel Call, Alan Ray, UNC. Uh, and I say that because um, with the personnel Villanova has, and I think a lot of Villanova fans are probably thinking this right now. I mean, wow, I'm excited about the future. Watching um, guys like Brian Antoine have great games, shoot it confidently. Um, watching Justin Moore, although he's still a little bit triangular, um, play really well. Um, and really dominate the guys who are guarding him and finishing at the basket. Great to see. Um, great to see for the arch, uh, you know, getting, getting playing time. Um, but just uh, this is awesome to have this young group of guys all of a sudden step into the spotlight. Um, I really do feel like they're going to give Baylor a game. Might not be a game they win, um, but I very much see this developing, I mean, over the span of two or three weeks into – that 2005 up-and-coming Villanova team with a bunch of stud recruits who weren't quite there yet, but they were going to be there yet the next year um, as one of the best teams in the country. And they took, you know, that, that Sean May, uh, Raymond Felton team, Marvin Williams, they took that team and to the wire and had the cause maybe gone another way, sure won that game. And, of course, that UNC team goes on to win the national championship game. So uh, I'm pumped for this game because I really do see a, a lot of parallels I mean, I think, I think the Cats will, will give Baylor a game. And I, I think we brought it up in after the Texas game, maybe how they kept passing the ball around and not taking the shot. I'd probably go back to that, actually, in this game. Make that Baylor defense run around, tire them out. If, they, if you play their pace of game, 
and running up and down the court, you're going to lose. I mean, we see it with the two, two top teams in the country, Gonzaga and Baylor, are the best at it, running up and down the court. You, you have to try to play your game. We saw Oklahoma try to do it against Gonzaga, against them, and they just couldn't keep up with them. Um, I mean, Baylor plays a very similar way, and they're um, you got to keep it low. I mean, if, if Baylor scores 80 points, I think they're going to win. I think you got to keep below that 80 points. I'll bring one other corollary into the mix here, and, and they don't look like this team, but Loyola-Chicago – against Illinois. And what does Loyola do very well? They play half-court basketball. They didn't turn the ball over. They made Illinois work. I thought the broadcaster did a great job describing that, listen, like Illinois can still come back and win this game, down 10, eight minutes left to go, but it isn't just going to happen on the next three possessions. I mean, they're going to have to work and grind and, and just stop Loyola Chicago a bunch of times in the half-court. And so – that brings up the point is how does Villanova do that? It's really difficult to do this, but you do, I think, have to start out fast and, and remain attached, if not front run, um, throughout the majority of the game. Again, not rocket science, right? You want to win the game, get out early, uh, lead the game? Yeah, you kind of need to lead the game after 40 minutes to win. So, again, I, I recognize that that's not rocket science, but to be able to front run, not turn the ball over, that's – that's one way that they can hang in this game. And, Tom, I think you brought up a good point. This is going to be a one versus a two-seed matchup, right? Absent some of the things that changed in the last two weeks of the season, you know, this is not an unexpected Elite Eight matchup, but it is now because Chris Archidiakono was never supposed to be playing. Colin Gillespie's a third-team All-American. Didn't You know, he's Big East Player of the Year. He's not playing. That is a big deal, but this team – has an ability to compete. And, and like you said, I'm very much looking forward to this game. Very much feels like a house money situation. And we'll see what happens when they tip it up at 515 on Saturday. And I thought Wisconsin would give Baylor a better game by, I mean, playing the typical Wisconsin game. And they did not. Once they got down, they started, started jacking up threes. If Nova gets down early, obviously, like you said, Bob, they want to get out to an early lead if they can. But if they get down by 10, 12 points, Stick to the game plan. Don't start jacking up threes to get into the game immediately right away. Hey, Mick, you mentioned tempo. I think tempo is going to be a major key in this game. Obviously, you have to be within striking distance. You can't let Baylor get the lead if you want to control tempo or if you want to play in the half court. Um, it's something that Jay Wright teams have done uh, very well when they've had success um, over the years. I mean, 2016 National Championship game, everybody thought North Carolina was going to run up and down the court. Nope, Villanova made it very much a half-court game, um, moved the ball really well. And, that, and that's another thing, K-Mac, you mentioned. Um, the ball movement against North Texas was awesome. Like the crisp passes um, and then, again, guys catching to shoot. And guys, you know, not, you know, not predetermined uh, as we sometimes fought Jermaine Samuels for being. But, you know, they were ready to play – uh, they're ready to make a move with the ball um, and just seemed so fluid and it seemed instinctive out there. Um, and they just seemed to move as a unit like we haven't seen all year, even whenever Gillespie was on the court. Like uh, the, the half-court offense on Sunday, I know it's North Texas, um, but the half-court offense on Sunday was the best I've seen all year. Two comments there, Tom. One, Jermaine, I think, has gotten better. Not to say he cannot uh... – he cannot relegate himself back, but 
again, I think really good job of deciding when to shoot, when to pump fake, reading the defender, taking him off the bounce. Favorite play he made was when he caught it on the baseline, pump faked, got his defender in the air, went right. So again, he's on the side of the baseline where he's dribbling with his right hand sort of out from the baseline, drew a second defender, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a great back cut, got right on the baseline, essentially bounce pass finish really good there and not a play he would have made if he was indeed predetermined about where he was going. Second thing, how important is it that Jeremiah Robinson Earl seemed to get it together shooting from mid range and a couple from beyond the arc in that game, because he simply didn't have it in the few games leading up to that point. And you felt like, his legs weren't under him. He, he wasn't getting it to the basket from beyond the arc. You know, we all know he has a rainbow shot, but it just wasn't seem to didn't seem to get there to the basket in those couple of weeks leading up to it. If North Texas is a trend and Jeremiah Robinson Earl is more confident and efficient shooting the ball, that's absolutely enormous. It feels like the, the whole team is just getting a lot more confident as we go here. As we've seen in, in championship runs of the past, that's sort of what tends to happen. This team all of a sudden puts it together, and, and we usually have the defense all year, but all of a sudden the shooting comes on hot. And it seems at the start of this tournament, guys have gotten comfortable with the fact that, okay, Colin is not here, our leader is not here, and now we have to step up. And and you even heard Jay talk about it. I believe it was after the Winthrop game about how he was hesitant to play some of the guys more minutes in the regular season because they had their five guys and they were pretty solid all the way around. And, and he knew, you know, say you put Brandon Slater in the game, you're losing something offensively and put Cole Swider in the game, you're losing something defensively. And at this point, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do. Those guys are playing whether you like it or not, and, you know, throw Brian Antoine in the game as well there. And, and these guys are all just stepping up to the table and they all look really comfortable out there. And that's been awesome to see, like Tom said before, it's great for the future, but, but not only that, it's, it's great for the run right now. And it gives us a chance. We're not writing ourselves off anymore against a team like Baylor. Whereas, you know, you ask us after the big East tournament, then, be like, oh, there's, there's no shot. How, how are we ever going to compete with Baylor? So it's been, it's been really nice to see the bench step up over the first two games. Yeah, maybe that's a good question, right, guys? What has changed from the end of the Big East tournament to now? And the answer is allowed to be they played a 12 seed and a 13 seed, but I don't think that's the answer I'm going to get from you guys. I think a lot of the pressure's off, right? I mean, you're coming in as the top seed in the, in the Big East tournament and you're throwing these guys in that situation. Right now, like you said, Bob, this is house money. These guys have no pressure on them. I mean, they, they don't think anybody believes that they deserve to be, not that they don't deserve to be here, but like that they can compete with Baylor. Um, so they're just playing free, loose. There's no pressure on these guys or not as much pressure as like Gillespie would have because it, he, he would have to live up to how he played during the regular season. Yeah, you got to take this with a grain of salt, right? Because um, of what else is Jay going to say? But, you know, Jay said that, you know, that they lost to Georgetown and they immediately looked at it. Okay, how can this be a blessing in disguise? How can we use this to our advantage? And they took that time to prepare. Um, and you have all these guys who haven't played many minutes, still figuring out the defense. And what they focus on, they focus on defense. And they took the time to prepare over the next week um, to get them into a more cohesive defensive unit. And I think... 
So part of what's going on is we have guys figuring it out defensively. There were times at the beginning of that North Texas game where guys were totally lost all over the court. Guys weren't switching when they were supposed to switch, you know, were, were switching when they weren't. It, it, they were a mess the first five, six minutes of that North Texas game. But once they figured it out, one thing that's interesting is some of these guys that have been forced into playing more minutes. Um, and, and, you know, this is not a knock against Gillespie because he, he's – you know, he's athletic in his own right. He's a great defender in his own right. But guys like Brian Antoine, they're just like fast, in-your-face, athletic, long defenders. Um, Slater, long defender. I think getting more of these guys and more of these pieces in the lineup um, and more time to prepare and become a more cohesive defensive unit um, was certainly the difference against Winthrop. Again, I think that was the story. I think I think there it's not necessarily one answer into what's the difference. I think Winthrop game defense, uh, North Texas game they figured out the defense as the game went on towards the, starting towards the end of the first half. But the North Texas game was shooting and shooting with confidence and making play making plays instinctively and letting the game come to you and seeing the floor better than they probably have as a unit all year. Um, but but I do think uh, defense and that time to prepare did make a difference. How about the fact that, yeah, this team will always be the team of all the Villanova programs in history and the teams that they've tried it through. This is the team that tied the NCAA record for number of players to make a three-point basket in a game. What are the odds of that? Uh, 12%. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have guessed that, but I, I think getting muted, K-Mac. I think Tom was was pretty spot on there about giving us time to to get ready. And, and like Jay said, you know, we didn't necessarily know what we were going to do without Colin. You know, you think about when it first happened, right? Initially, of course, Justin Moore was in foul trouble, and all of a sudden, Jeremiah Robinson Earl decides he's going to be the point guard for the rest of the first half, and then the progression goes from there, and and you have Chris Archidiakono starting games and, you know, he's maybe not necessarily up to the level of, of the rest of the starters on this team and, and even some of the role players, but he's doing a great job handling the ball and, and can really prevent turnovers and just facilitate a little bit. But we got to the point here in the NCAA tournament where Jay, you know, Jay had a week to work with Justin Moore. He got his, you know, his ankle is now healthy and he's become better at the one position, which is not necessarily his strong suit, right? He's more, more of a two guard comfortable in the, the catch and shoot. He can certainly drive the ball, but he's not, he's not the, your number one facilitator. So having him get a little bit more comfortable with that and having the rest of the team a little bit more comfortable around him, I, I think has been a major difference from, you know, week one, big East tournament to now where we sit in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Justin Moore, I think, you know, did a nice job against North Texas. He did a very nice job against Winthrop as well. 15 points in both games, 50% shooting from the floor. And it just it didn't stick out to me. He shot the ball 12 times against North Texas, but it just didn't feel that way, right? Like, so we've talked about him being triangular. And for those unfamiliar with our, uh, you know, our vernacular, basically the Bermuda triangle where the ball comes in, it doesn't come out a uh, less nice way of calling him ball hog, I guess. But uh, listen, they kind of need that 
at some points. It still needs to be the right shots, but you know, I'm okay with him taking a contested jumper now and again. Yes, you want Villanova to move the ball, but at some points, especially down in late in the shot clock, it's yeah, you know what? Fans probably want, and Jay probably wants Justin Moore or Jeremiah Robinson Earl taking that shot, or maybe Jermaine Samuels if he's put in the right position. So again, um, in some ways, he's been built for this moment. It's like, yes, Justin, we need you to be taking these shots. And he's a guy that can take them at a pretty high clip. All right, time to play devil's advocate. Um, because making jump shots and making contested layups against North undersized North Texas and Winthrop teams is one thing. Making those shots against Davian, Mitchell, Jared Butler, uh, Matt Meyer, and Baylor. Uh, yeah. that, that that's a whole nother ball game. And that's the other thing Brinkle, you know, didn't get to in the, in the defensive point as well, right? Like this team, I mean, has let some guys, I mean, um, Hamlet, right. Javion Hamlet. Yeah. I mean, he, he had his way with defenders one-on-one. True. He's a pretty, he's a pretty good player. He's oh a no. Good play- like great he, player. No, but I'm saying, but what, what happens when you get to, a Baylor team and they have three, four Javion Hamlets. Yeah. Right. Sure. How do we get exposed um, in our man on man defense? Right. We have a bunch of new guys still getting used to the, the defensive scheme. I mentioned, I did credit them for their athleticism. Guys like Brian Antoine Slater, longer arch plays hard, tough defense, although he's, you know, a little undersized compared to those other guys. Um, but I mean, some of these things we've, they've been, we've been saying they're doing well total different ball game against Baylor, right? Like, like best offensive Mi- team that they're going to play by far. Right. And, and just a different beast, right? Like totally different size, different athleticism, a whole new level. Great. I mean, lots of excitement. Awesome. But like, they're going to have to play how well they play against North Texas still times two to, to really give Baylor a shot this weekend. Can they do it? We'll see. And, and sources say that Kevin Long gets upset every time Justin Moore hits a big shot because he thinks he's going to leave and his, as an NBA draft head, stock is going up real high every time. You never know. <laughs> you never know. I, I will trust our NBA expert here on Bob Long Sports Panel. Gosh, and you keep going great with these segues, Kevin McLaren, because um, in the spirit of, of defending takes made when there is emotion involved, Tom Trainer, we're going to bring it back to you. Uh, is Jay Wright truly thinking about 2022-2023 right now, my friend? How many zone defensive looks are we going to see, and why is it for 2022-2023? Couldn't tell you why it's for 2022-2023 in terms of personnel. Now. Because oh, the answer is uh, because during Winthrop, they went to zone for a play, and I said, ah, I just get a little bit concerned about zone. And you said, he's playing chess, not checkers, Bob. This is for 2022, oh, 2023. For sure. And for then, sure. of course, as, as all great takes, unfortunately, do, like the uh, like what is Brittany doing with her life, Mike Patrick? And we never really <laughs> got to the end of that because the next play was a touchdown in overtime and the game ended. Uh, there was a timeout. We went to commercial, came back, did not play another defensive possession of zone. And so, unfortunately, we didn't get to fully experience this take. So, mm-hmm. just having some fun here. I want to get your thoughts there. Well, for sure. I mean, I think everything right now 
is the future. I mean, like you said, this year's house money. I mean, I th- I guarantee you that Jay is telling these guys, hey, we're going to prepare to win every game. I mean, he's not telling his seniors and he's not telling his guys, you know, I'm only thinking about the next year. But he's telling these guys, like, hey, we got a lot of young guys. we got a lot of hope for the future. We're going to do the best we can now. But we got nothing to lose. we got nothing to lose. Let's try some things. we got a whole new personnel, a bunch of different lineups, guys that have been five guys that have never been on the same court. For sure. Court at the same time together. Like, let's have fun with it. And I, I don't think it's any secret. Like, the pressure's off. The pressure has been off, you know, since Gillespie no went down. Um, and so I, I think they're certainly enjoying the ride, but at the same time, eyes forward, thinking about preparation for, for the future. Heck yeah. And that was actually my way to get to the point of from a true, like other than having fun, but from a defensive standpoint, I don't think this is the game to go zone um, with four, you know, five guys that can shoot it at 40% clip, you know, I just don't think this Villanova team has showed even against mid-major programs that it can defend the zone with the zone effectively and not allow pretty good three-point shots. Um, Tom, to your point, I'd love in your future to see more flexibility, more versatility there. Uh, I think that would be a struggle. Uh, My guess is it has to be base man, give my best against your best and, and see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think you switch to zone when, I mean, the threat from a Baylor perspective isn't really inside, like Wofamba. I mean, he's a decent player inside. I think yeah. we have an advantage I think we have an advantage on the other end of the court with JRE, right? I mean, because – And Samuels. Uh, I mean, we've, yeah. we've seen we've seen going over big men over the, the you know the last decade um, cause problems for other teams with their ability for our big men to shoot a three right? Because other big men aren't used to playing that far from basket. Now, I think Flo Thamba is, uh, you know, a little bit more athletic than some of those other bigs that we were probably thinking of, um, but still not used to playing far from the basket. So I think on the other one in the court, we have the advantage um, with JRE, uh, Jermaine Swider's ability to shoot. Um, but to your point, I don't think that on, when Villanova was playing defense, uh, thinking about Baylor's offense, the concern, you're right, is outside. Um, and I, it, it really comes down to it. It's like uh, you know, Nick Saban always says, you know, it's, it's a hat on hat. It's going to come down to those individual man-to-man matchups. I mean, of course, help defense is always important. Um, but that's really what this is going to come down to. How, how much can our guys lock down defensively man-to-man? Because you, you can't play zone. Baylor will shoot you out of the gym. And being very, very tight on what you're doing against high ball screens, off ball screens. Baylor does it all. They're really good. They're one of the best teams I've seen in a long time. Them and Gonzaga, I think, are the two best teams in the country, have been, may continue to be, should be your favorites to meet up in the championship game. But let's see if Villanova can, as a team that was right there for a good portion of the year in the top ten, even up to number three at times. Let's see if they can find a way to make it happen without their third team All-American. Guys, before we move on, so the next round, if Villanova were to win, it's the winner of Baylor Nova against Oral Roberts and the Arkansas winner. Oral Roberts, what an awesome story. I mean, really great story. Arkansas, they're really freaking good. Uh, I feel as if, if at 745 on Saturday, 
we still have another game to talk about. We can come on and preview that next one. How's that sound? I'm in. Cool. It'll be another pleasant surprise. <laughs> exactly. So let's not waste any time worrying about an Elite Eight matchup at this point. I mean, I'm terrified time, of Moral Roberts. But. Wouldn't be the first time this squad uh, proved Kevin McLaren wrong. That's right. True. True. Ain't no doubt about it. Anything more before we move on to another great segment led by Kevin Long? Nothing. All right. Time for Cat in the Wild. All right. Thanks, Bob. Uh, this week is a stalwart of the NBA. We don't mention him much, if ever, just because we expect greatness out of this guy. He's been by far the most productive NBA player out of Villanova in the past 15 years, and that's Kyle Lowry. He's uh, just been an awesome player. Obviously, the championship with the Toronto Raptors a couple years this year, he's he's averaging 17 points a game, uh, 44% from field goal, 39% from three, uh, five rebounds a game, seven assists a game. Man, this guy has just made a, a career for himself in the NBA. You know, a guy that coming out, I believe in 06 as a sophomore, we weren't necessarily sure where he would end up. Uh, I think we all thought Randy Foy would be the guy uh, in that year to really have a lot of success. And, you know, the draft showed that. I believe Randy Foy was up as high as seven. And, and I think we did a show on that, actually. And, and Kyle Lowry is back in the second round. So, uh, really impressive to see the way his game has come along. Always really quick to the basket, but always a great driver, but really developed that three-point shot once he made it to the NBA, which has helped him to become an elite player. So uh, shout out to Kyle Lowry, our cat in the wild this week. Come on, Kev. He was still a first-round pick. He wasn't a second-rounder. Is that true? I think he was around 21, 22, somewhere around there. Taken by the Memphis, taken by the Memphis Grizzlies, I believe. We gotta get that is true. We gotta get the BLS interns to yeah, fact we'll, check. We'll fact check, fact checkers, where you at? Um, and uh, yeah. and a possibility he would be, he might be on the move in the next twenty hours or so. There's a ton of uh, trade rumors see. with him. What do you so, hear? Could be coming home. Could be heading to South Beach. We'll see. But yeah, super. I mean, and just one of the smartest basketball players, right? Like, I mean, that that might be his best attribute his intelligence on the court um, and he does it all offensively and defensively. I mean, his intelligence along with, I mean, the dude's just a gamer. You won't, you don't find a tougher um, basketball player in the NBA than Kyle Lowry, or anywhere than Kyle Lowry. Um, great choice, Kevin Long. Well, the, the intern just pinged me in my ear. He said uh, it was the first round 24th pick in 06 by the Grizzlies. Thank you, intern. Yeah, don't don't question K Mac on on the NBA back there. I, I I did get the number wrong, so there's that. <laughs> there is that. Kevin Long, thank you. Kyle Lowry and all the other Villanova players playing not just in the NBA, not just overseas, but all the alums in general, of course, turn their eyes to the Sweet Sixteen, and I think no doubt a lot of pride. Um, going through here. If I'm going to throw a cat in the wild myself, Alan Ray. Alan Ray has been a great follow on Twitter recently. He's been following this team very closely, you know, basically said, hey, this is very similar to when, so you talked about the team in 2005, Tom. 
Heat brought up 2006 when they were a one seed and Curtis Sumter went down in the Big East. Well, it might have even been the last regular season game. It was in Madison Square Garden. It was against St. John's. I don't know if it was a tournament game or not, but um, the Big East tournament that is. So Curtis Sumter goes down. They have to to go four guards, and um, and they did so in a in a really effective way, um, and uh, and ended up that 2016. You know, was a one seed, right? And uh, and Alan Ray checking in, talking about how they have to adjust to a big loss like Colin. All right, that's the cat in the wild. Thanks, Kevin Long. Now time for Kevin McLaren's segment. K-Mac is here with Nova Trivia. Well, wasn't expecting the show this week, so not a lot not a lot of Nova Trivia, but we got some Baylor trivia for you guys. Just uh, only one question on Baylor. Uh, there's two current NBA players that are former Baylor Bear players. Uh, can you name those two players? No, is that an answer? <laughs> yeah, you just you don't get any points, but that is an answer. Yes. <laughs> um, Cue the Billy Madison clip. <laughs> I mean, I guess the way I worded it, though, could be a correct answer. How about this? Name the two players. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this guy has been in the M. Is still in the NBA. I don't even know that he spent that much time. Maybe he did. But I like his name, so I'm going to put it out there. I will give you another hint. Um, the one guy is old. I believe no. They've been drafted in the last six, seven years. Got it. Um, okay. not this this one guy is famous for not only famous for, but uh, well known for a response to when they lost to Georgia State in his press conference. Oh my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to grab the ball. So you grabbed <laughs> it more than we did. Yes, he, he explained rebounding to the press. How did that, how did they, out, how did a team like that out-rebound you, the best rebounding team in the country? Well, see, there's this thing called rebound and the ball shoots it and comes off the rim, doesn't go in. <laughs> got to grab it. Two hands. They did that more times than we did. <laughs> Yep. Don't know his name. Forget his name. <laughs> you forget his name. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm ready. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't have any yeah. of these guys. No, and I think uh, the person I was thinking of didn't go to Baylor. So. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> Oh, man, I was going to say LeBron James, but he just he didn't go to Baylor. I, I don't know. All right, okay. I, got no, I got nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. Oh, okay. All I right, was going to well, say Montrez Harrell, but it occurred to me he went to Louisville, right? That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Won a national championship, in fact. So the answers um, are with one. I did not know that Royce O'Neal went to Baylor. He was drafted in 2015 and is playing a big part in the best team in the NBA, record-wise, Utah Jazz. Uh, and the guy who Bob knew every his quote, um, learning how to read or teaching the press how to rebound, uh, Torian Prince. Mm, yeah, yeah, good call, good call. Yeah. The guy I was going to say just to because I like the name is Ekpe Udo. Remember him? 
Yes, drafted six overall by the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And they, yeah. No longer in the NBA. No, he is not. I can give you guys another trivia question. If you want, you might remember this guy. Uh, in the 2000, I believe, 14 draft, he was drafted by the NBA midway through the first round because he, uh, during medical, uh, they found that he had a disease mm-hmm. that he could not play in the NBA. Um, and he actually only had one uh, working eye, if that also helps. I remember the entire story. Yep. Don't remember the name. <laughs> yeah, he also, wore the... Uh, realizing that I confused Montrez Harrell with Torian Prince. He, yeah. he wore those goggles, too. Yeah. This guy, who I yeah. don't know his name, from yeah. Baylor, again. Go ahead, Kev. We don't know. Isaiah Austin. Mm. Those, two were, those were the sort of mm's that were like, oh, that doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> no, it, so, no, no, that wasn't mm, like, yep, I remember Isaiah Austin's name, but there was no that chance. That does not ring a bell for me. I, zero chance that I would have come up with that in 30 don't seconds. don't remember that name. But. Which, speak, which, speak for your own mm. <laughs> I think it was about two years later they, uh, they determined he, he – it was misdiagnosed or something like that. So he actually did play uh, basketball overseas, I believe. Mm, so there's a mm, that I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, great job by me on the trivia. <laughs> really, really good. So I guess by default, I, I win the year Apparently, we don't watch much Baylor basketball. Yeah. I mean, well, Baylor hasn't been that relevant. No. I mean, even when they were good, they lost to freaking Georgia State and couldn't no, out rebound. They, they, were, they, were they were a classic upset team. <laughs> You say that to Quincy AC. You say that to his face, Bob. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That's great. K-Mac, thank you. Villanova's going to need to win another game to get Kevin Long and Tom Trainer another shot at me here. So I will have serve... 20, 20 questions next week so they can get you up if we're still here. That's right. Let that serve as all the motivation needed to this Villanova team to go beat Baylor. Because I think I speak for everybody especially K-Mac. Nobody wants to see me win this thing, least of all well, K-Mac. I'm, I'm going to provide some negative points since you knew the entire uh, Tarian Prince rant, but you did not know his name. So right. negative so, 500 points for Bob. Negative 500? Wow, I had a three-point yeah. three lead, so that went away quickly. Yep. Or whatever it was. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. All right, let's, let's bring this segment to a merciful end and move on to the shoot-around. All right, welcome to the shoot-around or the shout-out-around where we shout out anything and everything related to Villanova basketball or not, usually not. Um, and I will start us off, as always, and I'm going to shout out, you know, I thought about um, Cameron Crutwig's uh, mustache, but uh, I'll instead go with uh, Sister Jean. I mean, Sister Jean still kicked over 100 years old um, during COVID times, I mean, Pray to God, I haven't seen a news story. Pray to God, she's vaccinated. I'm assuming she is. Um, going to these basketball games um, and still, you know, in her prayers, talking strategy before the games. You gotta love it when you know prayer has a little bit of strategy in there. But Sister Jean, leading, you know, Loyola Ramblers, um, so great to have her and Loyola back in the tournament. Uh, and I think 
me along with a lot of other people are kicking ourselves for you know not thinking twice about well I did think twice to be honest but uh picking Loyola over Illinois because uh I think a lot of people hindsight are saying Loyola was a little underseated um but hindsight's always 2020 but anyway sister Jean is my shout out all right my shout out is the Pac-12 how impressive has this conference been in the NCAA tournament eight and one Four teams still alive out of five teams entered, including UCLA, who was in the first four. Just unbelievable how well these guys are playing, and, and they're doing it in impressive fashion. I mean, USC's win over Kansas, dominant. Oregon scoring 95 points over Iowa. Uh, Oregon State beating uh, Oklahoma State with authority. It's just so impressive the way these guys are playing right now. I think it's it's late to make a New Year's resolution. We're in late March here, but my New Year's resolution is to stay up later and watch some Pac-12 basketball next year because this caught me by surprise, as did most of the nation, I think. And, uh, you know, they got something special going on out there this year. We all thought Big 12, Big 10, and, and here we sit. We have, I believe, one from each conference right now. So just really impressive what this Pac-12 is doing and uh, – you know, very deserving of a shout-out. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in here real quick. I mean, because, Kev, that's a great one. I've been eating crow all week because in a group chat with colleagues, um, we have we have somebody who's from Colorado, went to school in California, so, you know, Pac-12 um, person, obviously cheering for Colorado. But, uh, you know, I had mentioned that I picked Georgetown over Colorado and said, you know, the Pac-12 soft. So uh, I've, been, I've been eating crow all week in that group chat. Uh, let me tell you, Pac-12, that's impressive. Not alone this year. Not alone. All right, I'll go next. Uh, I'm going to take the obvious one. I'm, I'm picking Jay Wright. Um, I was reading the uh, ESPN article today. They they do the reseeding uh, after the, the first weekend. They had them as a one seed, I believe, or maybe a two. But um, they said all of us counted out Villanova. And how did we forget that Jay Wright is still one of the best coaches in college uh, basketball, not football. I was about to say football. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's done a great job with his team. Like I said, I didn't expect them. Or I, I would have been shocked, not shocked, but surprised that they made it out the first weekend before their injuries. And now I'm really shocked they made it out. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think getting all these guys ready to play and giving them the confidence to, to beat two teams in the tournament and uh, let's see how we can prepare uh, for Baylor. I'm going very unique tonight with my shout out. So you guys are all shouting out really good things. I'd like to call to attention an underrepresented group. Somebody that just unfortunately has gone by the wayside in college basketball. Something that I think still is very important to the heart of the game, but we're just not seeing it. And that is the block call. Yeah. Unfortunately, This underrepresented group is no longer part of the game of college basketball. It needs to be. It's still there. It wants to peek its head out. But unfortunately, the stripes just no longer make it be. The block call across all college basketball games thus far leading to the Sweet 16. It is so unfortunate in these trying times to see the death of a huge part of the game. It is an endangered species, folks but I hope that it can make its return to Indiana this weekend. The block call, forever part of our hearts. 
That's all I thanks got. For the, thanks for the shout outs, guys. Bob, so, so you're saying that I just want to clarify the block call is dead in that they are no longer calling blocks. They are no longer charges calling blocks. Charges only. Got it. Charges only. I think there were four separate times this weekend where I said to my wife, that's the worst call that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely same, horrible. Same, same here. All, all weekend, it was just how can the refs be this bad? Truly the worst call I've ever seen was Oral Ro- – was, was it Oral Roberts – Florida or Earl Roberts, Ohio State. It was um, it was one where no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Loyola Chicago against Illinois. Final minute of the game. Driver for Loyola Chicago drives baseline at an Illinois defender. Kind of jumps the pass, jumps straight up in the air. The Illinois defender does not even fall back. And the whistle is blown, and there's a little bit of a delay, and he calls a charge. On a pass cross-court where there was marginal contact, contact and the Illinois player did not even fall to the floor. What is happening? Also, folks are nowhere near defensive guarding, legal, legal guarding position, and it's charge, charge, charge. Death of a salesman, nay. Death of a block call, we hardly knew ye. Killed by the flop. Killed by the flop. K-Mac, you were shaking your head, your head in disgust. I thought you were being sarcastic at first because I saw about four or five calls that went the other way that were egregious. But there was, there was one in the Oklahoma State game where they, the guy just full out, like, used that full-arm chicken wing, and they, they called a blocking foul. I just, so I think the rest of it is bad overall. Interesting. Yeah, there may I'm sure there have been a couple calls in that direction, but I would guess that the heavy, heavy allotment, heavy majority is going the way of a defender who is not in legal guarding position, lurching backwards and mm-hmm. getting the benefit of the call. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I don't think, however, the worst call I saw this weekend was not a missed um block or charge call um it was actually in the michigan lsu game last night um where i forget um who it was um uh i forget if it was brown or, or who who was for for michigan was driving baseline um one stepped out of bounds yep two all ball block um the ref or, or no it was it was i think hit out of bounds um should have been to, off off his leg out of bounds a uh, one the ref missed hit he had his entire foot on the baseline it wasn't even close yeah right in front of the referee and then two um all ball, off his foot all, yeah. well well it was it was stolen so you know got, got oh, a yeah. hand in there lsu defender got a hand in there all ball off his foot and they call fouls and how out of all that um, but, yeah, no, the, the officiating has been horrible, Bob. Uh, I'm with you. Other than that, a wonderful tournament. <laughs> Don't want to end this on a bad note. But Villanova basketball back in the Sweet 16, taking on one of the best teams in the country, Baylor, on Saturday at 515. Guys, appreciate the time. This is great. Glad we got back on the air for it. And, yes, if you're hearing from us again post-Baylor, hey, I mean – 
We're talking about an Elite Eight game matchup. Hopefully so. That would be Oral Roberts or Arkansas. But business to take care of this weekend. Nova back on the road out in Indy. Enjoy the basketball. For KMAC, Tom Trainer, Kevin Long, I am Bob Long saying so long and hope everybody enjoys their evening. <laughs>